Welcome to Higher Thought Podcast, and to this episode entitled, Learning to Play in the Rain. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to play in the rain. No matter how bright and beautiful our day may feel, dark clouds and storms will inevitably come for all of us. We may feel dread and fear around their appearance, and we may wish for them to pass and long for the warm sunny moments to return. It may feel as though the storm rages on for weeks, months, or even years with no hope of relief. The darkest moments of our lives are the ones where we tend to simply hunker down and hope for their passage. We may find ourselves asking, why is this happening to me? Or when will this end? This may feel like difficult medicine to swallow. But the storms that we're facing may be the greatest gifts that we'll ever receive. They may be the very answers we're looking for, for our deepest hopes, our desires, and our prayers. Gleaning the lesson from the storm can only come when we accept it in our lives. And when we learn to play in the rain, by finding the hidden joy and gift it offers to us. Life's events, when boiled down to their essence, are really just facts that occur. A new baby's born on a wintry night. A car crashes into another vehicle on a sunny summer day. A young man is diagnosed with cancer. These are all simply facts. We've all met the individual who can only see darkness in all of light's events. Regardless of the facts and the circumstance, they can only see what's missing and what's gone awry. They may seem to carry their own little storm cloud with them wherever they go. So it isn't the facts that occur that determine whether we live in a storm or in sunshine. It's the meaning and expectation that we give to those facts. This truth can be one of the most liberating we ever grasp. And when we see that we actually can create the storm by the meaning we give it, we can come to an awareness of its potential beauty and opportunity. In this moment, we feel a surrender, as described by St. John of the Cross in his book, The Dark Night of the Soul. He says that surrender leads us to experience the feeling that we don't want the event to end too quickly because we don't want to miss all that it came to teach us. In this surrender, we feel gratitude in our circumstance and begin to experience transformative joy as we romp and gleefully play in the rain puddles of life. If expectation brought the storm into our lives, expectation can also cause it to pass. In his book, The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale dedicates a chapter to expecting the best and getting it. He describes story after story of individuals perpetually stuck in the storms of life who change their circumstance simply by shifting their expectations. Here are some of Dr. Peel's most profound thoughts regarding expectation of the very best. Quote, It is a well-defined and authentic principle that what the mind profoundly expects, it tends to receive. Our belief at the beginning of a doubtful undertaking is the one thing that ensures the successful outcome of your venture. Things become better when you expect the best instead of the worst, for the reason that being freed from self-doubt, you can put your whole self into your endeavor and nothing can stand in the way of the man who focuses his entire self on a problem. And finally, he says, take the very best into your mind and only that. Make it your obsession.
unquote. Dr. Peel also describes the necessity to become very clear on what you want. He says, quote, lots of people get nowhere simply because they do not know where they want to go. They have no clear cut, precisely defined purpose. You cannot expect the best if you think aimlessly, unquote. I experienced this lesson during a stormy year of my life. It was 2002. My youngest sister, with whom I was very close, was unexpectedly killed in a car accident one week before Christmas the previous year. My job felt stressful and unfulfilling. I felt a hunger for something different, including a different place to live. I wanted to move away from the lowlands of Louisiana to the mountains of the Carolinas or Tennessee. But I didn't feel very clear about much more than that, and I just knew that I wanted out of my current situation. I applied to a dozen different job listings, but none responded. I didn't want to continue with my current company or to move to their location in Houston, Texas. So when a senior colleague named Mike called me one day and asked if I'd be interested in a position with my current company in Houston, I initially told him no, but also admitted that I wasn't sure what I wanted. Mike, sensing my desire to escape my current situation, said something to me that changed the course of my life. He said, Reuben, when you're running away from something, everything will look good. But you'll find happiness when you find something to run towards. I pondered this statement and his offer, and I felt guided to take the step to go to Houston, even though I didn't know why. While in Houston, I developed both the clarity of what I wanted to run towards and the experience that enabled me to be ready for that opportunity. Three years later, I moved to the Carolinas with an opportunity that was a clear fit for me and a location that brought me closer to my family and eventually enabled me to meet my wife and my children. Being clear on what I was running towards helped me to find happiness in the storm and to eventually witness its passage. Do you know what you're running towards? I love the children's book, What Do You Do With a Problem? by Kobe Yamada and illustrated by Mae Besom. In language that even a small child can understand, he teaches us how we can learn to play in the rain of our most challenging problems. I'd like to read it to you. I don't know how it happened, but one day I had a problem. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I really didn't like having a problem, but it was there. Why is it here? What does it want? What do you want? What do you do with a problem, I thought. I wanted to make it go away. I shoot it. I scowled at it. I tried ignoring it, but nothing worked. I started to worry about my problem. What if it swallows me up? What if my problem sneaks up and gets me? What if it takes away all of my things? I worried a lot. I worried about what would happen. I worried about what could happen. I worried about this and worried about that, and the more I worried, the bigger my problem became. I wished it would just disappear. I tried everything I could to hide from it. I even found ways to disguise myself, but it still found me. And the more I avoided my problem, the more I saw it everywhere. I thought about it all the time. I didn't feel good at all. I couldn't take it anymore. This has to stop, I declared. Maybe I was making my problem bigger and scarier than it actually was. After all, my problem hadn't really swallowed me up or attacked me. 
I realized that I had to face it. So even though I didn't want to, even though I was really afraid, I got ready and I tackled my problem. When I got face to face with it, I discovered something. My problem wasn't what I thought it was. I discovered it had something beautiful inside. My problem held an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to learn and to grow and to be brave, to do something. It showed me that it was important to look closely because some opportunities only come once. So now I see problems differently. I'm not afraid of them anymore because I know their secret. Every problem has an opportunity for something good. You just have to look for it. Another book that I love on this subject is entitled The Lesson. The young character in this book, whose name is Robert, attends school and is excited to solve a simple math problem. As he solves problems, he continues to move up grades. The teacher continues giving him more problems that increase with difficulty and complexity. Robert asks, why are you punishing me with all these problems? The teacher replies, oh, Robert, I'm not punishing you. It's just that you've moved up a grade and are ready for harder problems. As we progress through the story, we realize that Robert's problems are actually the real problems of life that continue until his final day in school. It's at this moment that, quote, suddenly he realized that all the lessons he had been learning all his life had really been only one lesson, that the problems he had been working on all his life had really been only one problem, this problem. Robert, how much do you love? Unquote. In every storm and challenge we face, there's always the opportunity to grow in unconditional love for ourselves, for others, and for God. In the storm, we become more aware of our humanity and the humanity of our fellow travelers. We see opportunities to give our lives to others in a way that makes the sun shine brighter for the world in which we live. As we seek to find joy in the storm, we can take counsel from the Course of Miracles. Quote, I'm here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent the one who sends me. I don't have to worry about what to say or what to do because the one who sends me will direct me. I am content to go where I am directed." Unquote. Sometimes we may find ourselves directed into other storms. We can find our greatest joy in life by walking with them and bringing them hope. We can be a light and an example to others as we find the opportunity in the storms of life and truly learn to play in the rain.